Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you folks today. So we have a unique situation going on today. So today I have my friend Liberty with me and we're going to be talking about uh, some of the trials she's been through and some of the things she went through. And, and uh, so Liberty, when you think of Stephanie, today Stephanie is Liberty. So good morning, Liberty. How are you? Doing well. So Liberty's doing well. So we're, we're sitting here and we're, we're going to be talking about a trial that Liberty went through and uh, talking about a couple verses and things that help her, uh, things that don't help her. Last time we had a guest, okay, it was Liberty's mom. And Liberty's mom uh, had three people actually contact us for consulate and stuff, talking to her. So we, we just said, man, this may be a family genetic type of thing, that, uh, that Liberty carries that same kind. And I know she would have got these genes from her mom because I know her dad. And the mom would be the one that would bring more people. I'm just picking on you. Steve, but I, I want to start with this verse. They have the most wonderful kids, but uh, the verse says in First Peter 5, 10, it says, but the God of all grace, who have called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, which means to establish us, strengthen and settle you, but the God of all grace. You know, sometimes, friends, we need the God of all grace in our life. We need the, the God of, uh, of comfort, consolation, as we've been talking recently in the book of Philippians, as Mrs. Wesco and I have went through that, is finding our consolation, fulfilling our joy in Christ, and going through those different things. And as we go through those, we need that God today. We need that God in our lives. We need that God in our family. And if you look around at what's going on in our country, we need that God in our country. And uh, we certainly need him more than ever. So Liberty, I first met you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think in my mind. I think it's been about a year and four months or something like that. Or it, it has. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was about March of, uh, mm-hmm. of 2019. And and so Liberty, let me. I'm just going to ask. You guys know how I ask questions of Stephanie, and Liberty can say whatever she wants. And so, so Liberty, now for a ministry thing, uh, you felt as though God was calling you to. Uh, to go with the West Coast, uh, your old mm-hmm. youth pastor, Charles, uh, and Stephanie and their family, and you were going to Cameroon to help them? Yes. So at first, um, when Dad mentioned it to me, I was uh, a little hesitant. I was kind of freaked out at first because they were saying four to six months. And uh, I've never left home before, Yeah. you know, for a long period of time. Yeah. So that kind of freaked me out a little bit, and uh, I struggled with it for a couple, couple days. And, um, you know, really just laid it down at God's feet and just said, okay, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. And he just gave me such a piece of doing it. And um, so I, you know, gave my answer to go with him. Um, and then I had pretty much just said, you know, well, I'll be there for four months, and, uh, you know, we'll see what what happens from there. So I, I had agreed to go for four months. Yeah. Wow. So, so there's a lot going on. So even with a little more background, uh, so Charles Wesco, Pastor Wesco, 
was Liberty's youth pastor for years, so she grew up, you grew mm -hmm. up around Charles. I did, yep. And uh, so she knew the type of man he was and that he was trustworthy, and, mm -hmm. and, and she knew Stephanie Wesco. Stephanie claims uh, Liberty is her best friend, so mm -hmm. I think she shares that with Rhonda, Liberty's mom as well. Uh, so you're gonna go over there, so there's eight kids. Now, I know you know these eight kids better than anybody. I know the eight kids a little bit, and that's a pretty daunting task. Did you ever say to yourself, <laughs> you know, there's eight of them? I did. That was, <laughs> that was one of my, uh, that was one of my concerns was, man, you know, taking on these eight kids for four months straight, you know, um, and we babysat them a lot when they were little. Yeah. And so, you know, went from like four to five to six, then seven and eight. And uh, so yeah. they're, they're fun kids, but yeah, definitely thinking about, you know, just being with them straight, you know, for eight months was kind of, kind of scary. Yeah, it's, 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 I can imagine that. It's kind of a daunting thing. So, so, so now how far out is this? So you know they're leaving. And so I guess they traveled over there in October. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so how far out did you make the decision to go to Cameroon? So I think it was end of July, beginning of August that my dad had texted me. They were still on vacation. We had come back um, for work. Um, and it was so, yeah, it was like the beginning of August that I found out about it. So then about a week later, I gave the for sure okay to go. Yeah. So then it was just a matter of, you know, I didn't have a passport at this point and getting, yeah. you know, all those things together that you have to have to take care of to, you know, fly overseas. And what was the, I guess, uh, what was the preparation mode besides the passport? What did you, did you take any other steps to get ready for this trip? Yeah. Um, so, you know, just thinking about what I needed to live over there for four months, um, trying to, you know, figure out exactly what to pack, how to pack it. And, uh, but then also just emotionally, mentally, and spiritually preparing myself for it, you know, and realizing that you're not going to be in the same country for four months. It's going to be, you know, totally different. Yeah. And just trying to, you know, prepare yourself for the change of, Kind of culture shock, I guess. Yeah. And so for those of you folks who do not know, Cameroon uh, is in West Africa, and it's a very volatile situation. It wasn't as volatile, obviously, when the West Coast and, and Liberty went over there, but it's certainly a third world country. Mm -hmm. And it, it was right on the verge of some type of civil war or something. So it, listen, folks, I've been in Africa on several occasions. Uh, I've been in Kenya. I, I remember Nairobi when the building was blown up there, the army thing. Th these are third world countries. So when you make a decision to go, you're making a decision. And, and I should say Liberty has been to Africa uh, mm -hmm. once since then. Now, have you been any other times? I've just been there twice. She's been there yeah. twice. So she was just in Kenya helping out at an orphanage. So Liberty has a heart uh, to help people. And uh, and so she went and helped at an orphanage and spent a couple months there this year. I guess their summer. Weeks. Yeah. A couple weeks. Yeah. Their weeks. summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, I was there in their summer. It's so hot there. <laughs> you know, and, and it's so different. So, so anyway, so you finally, the big day comes, you ship out. And uh, you fly the plane, what seems forever, you get to Cameroon. Yeah. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Oh, it was, it was overwhelming. It was just such a, I honestly had a peace about being there. And I think that was like one of the first times um, that I really felt like, okay, you know, 
I know for sure this is where God wants me right now. Yeah. Um, and it was just the excitement of being in a new country. I'd never been out of the country before. Um, so the excitement of being in a new country and then also the stress of getting eight kids to where they needed to be. <laughs> and it was also late at night, so we were all, you know, tired. But. Yeah. And so now, how many bedrooms were in the house you guys ended up in? There were a lot. I think there were, well, I should just say there were three. We yeah. had a boys room, girls room, and, and mom and dad room type of yep. thing. And so you, it was just you, Emmy, and and uh, Steffi. Yeah, most yeah. nights it just ended up being me and Steffi because Emmy was still pretty, pretty little and getting adjusted to everything. Yeah, yeah. So. And so I think this is a good point uh, to bring up the lizard story or something <laughs> like that. Uh, what what was the lizard story? Oh man, so in our bathroom we were lucky enough to have a bathroom connected to our room. Uh, the one downside though was that the window didn't have any kind of screen or, you know, covering at all. So it was just, you know, open air. And kind of had to have it open all the time because the shower was in the bathroom and so, you know, there was constantly water on the floor and everything. So you kind of had to be able to air it out. Um, and so one night we're getting ready, I think, I think I was in the bathroom getting ready for bed and I saw a lizard on the ceiling above me and I freaked out. <laughs> that was not a good moment. Uh, got out of the bathroom as fast as I could, jumped on my bed and started screaming for the boys to come in and help. Wow. And uh, little Caleb, he comes in there, he's, he's. Yeah, Caleb he's, <laughs> at that time was like <laughs> three years <laughs> old or something. Yeah. He was, and he's just this little kid like trying to, you know, jump for this lizard any way he can. And the boys are, you know, getting pots and pans trying to, capture this thing and Steffi and I are on our beds just screaming trying to you know make sure that they get it and uh, it was it was chaos but you know we had fun <laughs> yeah yeah so so we should say something as part of a funny story of this Caleb is like a total reptile freak he and, is. Uh, so it's been almost two years since that uh, fateful trip to Cameroon and and Caleb is still lizardy uh, frog, turtle. I mean, if so there's awesome. a turtle within a half mile of his home, the turtle gets sent a signal that uh, <laughs> Caleb's at the house, and uh, he he gives dominion to those types of things. And and so anyway, you get over to Cameroon, and and uh, so you're over there with with the West Coast, and time starts going by. And what was your thoughts of everything? The ministry there, the life. Did, how long was jet lag? I mean, what, what, what went in the whole scheme of things? Yeah, so I don't really feel like I experienced jet lag too bad going. Um, I think that was just mostly the excitement of being there. And I didn't experience it when we went to Kenya either. Um, but the excitement of being there, then we had to, you know, the house was empty, obviously. So we had to start unpacking um, the things that we owned and, you know, getting the house set up. And honestly, those first two weeks went by super fast. And just thinking about it now, you know, realizing how fast they actually went. Um, but then, you know, we went to church both Sundays. And that was just such a blessing, you know, to be able to hear the messages and sing the songs with them. And Were they in English? <sighs> These are things I've never asked, you know, so yeah. And I don't know if I remember. I feel like, I feel like one week Pastor Ben preached, so it was in English. Yeah. Actually, I feel like they both were. They both were in English? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Cameroon has an English. So the country is, just for those of you listening, 
uh, the country is divided upon spoken languages. So they'll say there's an English side and a French side. That don't mean there's a side that belongs to England or a side that belongs to France. We're just talking about languages mm -hmm. here. The country is an autonomous uh, governed country. And, um, and so you probably were just, then you said you had the missionary Sinclairs. They were just a block up the street from you or something? They were, yeah, they were just like a minute walk up the hill. Minute walk up the nice. hill. Mm -hmm. So they, they live next to other missionaries, which I think is always a good idea. Mm -hmm. and, and you guys were establishing households. So did you have all the furniture and stuff there? Uh, yeah, we had almost, I think the house was almost completely set up. Like we had had everything in the place where we were going to leave it. And um, yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. So then all of a sudden comes this day, uh, mm -hmm. this day, uh, 12 days later. So what day did you get there? You got there on the 18th. The 18th. And so October 30th shows up. Right. Now, what do you remember about that morning or anything? So the morning, I knew that they were going to go into town. Um, I had already previously gone into town with them before because um, they wanted me to you know, be able to see the culture and everything. Um, so then the second time that they you know, they had to get food and stuff like that. So, um, you know, they were going to head out and then they, you know, decided to take one of the kids. I was just busy, you know, getting the kids food and breakfast and then cleaning up after breakfast and all this stuff. Um, so they, they uh, left, I'm not sure what time it was, um, but when you're in Africa, time doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I can just remember they left and a couple of the kids had some attitude problems that morning. Um, I think it was kind of some of them wanting to go to town and not being able to. Um, and it was kind of, I think we had stayed up late the night before. And so I could just tell that uh, multiple of them needed naps. So it was probably right before lunch that I said, okay, guys, we're going to lay down for naps. We'll eat lunch when you wake up, but you know, we got to got to take naps and the house was, you know, needed cleaning and stuff like that. So um, the kids were down for naps and, you know, once they started getting up, I'd get their food as they'd wake up. And uh, well, a couple of them had said before they went down for naps was, can we go over to Sinclair's house after lunch? I was like, yeah, sure. If you take naps, you know, we'll ask them if we can go over there after, after you all wake up and, you know, get your food and everything. So, um, we had, you know, I had gotten lunch for all of them and Steffi was the last one to, to wake up and, um, I had gotten a call from my dad and, uh, he said, Hey, I need you to go into a room where you're alone and where it's quiet. I said, okay. So I walked into our bedroom and Steffi had just woken up. So I sent her out of the room, um, and asked one of the older boys to get her lunch and um, dad said okay um, I need you to stay calm and quiet and you know just try to be quiet you know wherever you are and uh, I was thinking that something was wrong with my grandpa because he had just gone to the ER the night before yeah um, and the next words just shook me um, yeah. Dad had said, Charles has been shot and he's in a coma. Oh, wow. And so for those of you folks who do not know, 
uh, missionary Charles Wesco, uh, our historian and Stephanie's story, they were on their way to go shopping, as uh, uh, Liberty just told us, and on their way to go shopping, a single gunman, they actually went through a police check, made sure everything was okay, and continued on to go shopping at the market and uh, to pick up some food supplies. And uh, Stephanie tells it, Charles loved to make bread and food for the community mm -hmm. and things yeah. of that nature. So they were going to pick up more supplies for uh, Brother Charles and for the food there for the kids and everything. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, so now the other side of this, Liberty gets the phone call. Oh, that's a lot to think about. So you just get the word uh, that Brother Charles is in a coma and you got seven kids home. And, uh, and, and, and so what do you do from there? Your dad told you to stay calm, not to cry. What's yeah. next? So the not crying part was inevitable. <laughs> that was going to happen either way. Um, but then I was just, you know, I was scared for myself and the kids' safety. Um, and I just thought, okay, what do I need to do? Where do I need to take them? You know, the only other people we knew were the Sinclairs. Um, and the kids had been asking to go over there anyway. So, yeah, so I kind of had to go into the mode of figuring out what to do next. Um, so, you know, they had been, the kids had been asking if they could go over to the Sinclairs anyway. So um, we kind of had that invitation open already. And so I called Mrs. Sinclair and I said, hey, um, and I didn't know that she knew at this point. Um, I said, hey, do you mind if we, if I bring the kids over and, you know, we hang out for a while? Yeah, yeah. And I was just as quickly as possible trying to get the kids out the door and to their house because I didn't want to be at our house alone with, you know, seven of the kids. Um, so I, so I told Daniel to grab the violins. Um, I knew that would keep us distracted for a while, playing the violins. And we walked up to the Sinclair's house. And as we're walking up there, you know, I have the seven kids walking with me. I have Emmy, who's, what, two? And, uh, you know, trying to get her to walk. And I'm, you know, carrying other things. And um, as we're walking up there, I'm hearing gunshots. Oh. like in the distance and that was that was freaking me out first time you ever heard them there right mm-hmm yeah and uh, so that was freaking me out because you know I'm walking on a hillside we were very visible you know in my mind um, walking on a hillside with seven kids and um, so I was like okay guys let's go we need to you know move along get up the hill get to the Sinclairs quickly so when we got to the Sinclairs um, all the kids ran into their living room and I stopped in the kitchen and I could tell they knew um, because they had all obviously been crying and uh, you know we just gave the biggest hugs and at this point I didn't even know the Sinclairs that well yeah so I could tell that they obviously knew at this point because um, their eyes were tear-filled and kids just you know ran into the living room and started playing with toys or whatever um, and we just hugged for the longest time I didn't know the Sinclairs, you know, prior to the two weeks before getting there. Um, and immediately we just had this bond and connection um, yeah. just of being the only ones there, you know, and being the only people to talk to. And yeah. at this point, I'm still thinking Charles is just in a coma. So my prayers are, you know, Lord, heal him, wake him up, you know, help him to be okay. And um, so, you know, the afternoon went on. Um, Mrs. Sinclair was in contact with her husband, you know, 
getting everything figured out and uh, and then you know kids are playing all afternoon we played violence for a while um, Daniel could tell that you know something was wrong he could tell that we had all been crying so Daniel being the oldest of the West Coast children right um, but still none of us could tell him because it wasn't our place so we're just trying to make it through the day and that was a rough it was a rough couple of hours yeah um, they made spaghetti for the kids um, so they all the kids ate I ate and it lost it a few minutes later um, and at one point I think I said to mrs. Sinclair something about I just hope he's gonna be okay I hope you know I hope God will heal him and she said you don't know and I was like no what and she just started crying and said uh, he's gone you know at this point Stephanie not to cut you off but folks as we continue on with this podcast and we'll finish this one certainly tomorrow we started off saying but the God of all grace who hath called us unto the eternal glory by Christ Jesus after that he has suffered a while make you perfect established to establish you to strengthen you and strengthen and settle you so here we are we're talking to my friend Liberty and Liberty's talking about just hearing the most terrible news, maybe of her lifetime, uh, that this dear man whom she loved as her youth pastor and uh, his sweet wife and these kids whom she loved and cared for. And these are people that were the best people in her life other than her parents. And so as we go on with this podcast tomorrow, we'll continue where we're at. But friends, let me tell you something that God was able to help Liberty and was able to help the Westcos and he can help you. And we're going to we're going to come back and look at this tomorrow again. We're going to continue on with this uh, terrible uh, story about this wonderful missionary martyr and his family. And uh, Liberty trying with this great other missionary family, the Sinclairs and the Westcos, and, uh, trying to get out of town. And so that's where we're going to be tomorrow. You don't want to miss tomorrow's podcast. Trust in the Lord. He'll establish you. He'll strengthen you. He'll give you everything you need. We certainly do love you folks. If we can help you in any way, reach out to us on Helpful Wounded Spirits, and uh, we'll be glad to reach out back. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.